Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, there was an eventful day yesterday, all kinds of Longhorn news going on. Of course, basketball team played. But first, let's get into the biggest news, in my opinion. Uh, Stark had an update yesterday on Quinn Ewers, and I'm going to let y'all tell everybody about that. I thought you were talking about the Manscaped read coming up. <laughs> By the way, everybody, let me know where you well, let us know where you're checking in from, man. I just love it, man. I see new cities, new towns, new states, new countries almost every day or weekly at this point. And thank you to all you guys uh, for tuning in and getting to be a part of the discussion. But Bobby, I thought, you know, it's pretty obvious. Sark went from week to week to day to day with Quinn. Quinn posts on Instagram last night. Um, I think we know Quinn wants to play Saturday. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Sark has to say Thursday after a couple of days of practice, uh, see how Quinn is doing, how he progresses this week with a couple of days of practice. But, Bobby, you know, Rod and I talked about it on Talking Ball yesterday. Dare we say this is a team getting healthier right now? I mean, everybody practiced. That means Jalen Catalan and Quinn practiced. Sark said it. Everybody practiced yesterday. So Catalan's back on the field. Christian Jones back on the field, um, obviously. So Texas is getting healthier at the right time, Bobby, for the stretch run. They really are. And, and uh, speaking uh, about what happened and, and watching that uh, press conference yesterday from C Steve Sarkeesian, it is clear uh, that he is refreshed by the health of his team this yeah. late in the game. But, you know, he went on and on about this team finding other ways to win. And it's something you and I have harped on, Jerry, in the last 48 hours here, something Rod and I talked about in the post game as well. Um, look, you got to find ways to win. And, you know, Kelvin Banks goes down at one point in that game. They they push Hayden Connor out to left left tackle for a little bit. Uh, Christian Jones is out. Uh, for, for the whole game, uh, Jalen Catalan out, Keaton Crawford out. I mean, you only have two, three safe. I mean, look, the numbers, Texas was depleted in that game, but still held on. And I, I've got to be honest, uh, the, the quarterback position, obviously the, the one that gets the most attention, rightfully so. Uh, but it sounds like they're getting healthier at quarterback too. And yeah. I think when you say that Quinn wants to play against TCU, I think the entire Texas fan base is like, okay, we really need Quinn back now. <laughs> uh, you know, we love we love Malik, love that he came in and uh, handled his business as much as he could. Uh, but if Texas is going to win these next three games, I don't think they can do it with inconsistent quarterback play or quarterback play that turns the ball over so freely. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but uh, – Man, Longhorns, everything in front of them uh, as we sit here this morning, Jerry, uh, November 7th. Uh, it, literally, when's the last time Texas had everything in front of them this late in the season? It's been so long, uh, but uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his group, uh, the team, uh, deserves every every bit of where they're at right now. Hey, and by the way, Jalen Catalan, we talked about this going into the Oklahoma game. Uh, how important would it be to have Jalen Cattle on this week? He practiced against Kendall Bryles for three years. I mean, he great point. Talked about, we talked about how he knows this offense from going against it every day in practice. Well, he, I mean, I'm not going to say he's Texas's Connor Stallion Saturday on the field, but he damn sure knows that offense. 
<laughs> you know, he, he knows that offense. He practiced against it at Arkansas. So uh, that would be big to get him back uh, because, you know, he's a guy that when he sees something, not many players react like he does. And when he sees something, he knows, man, he plays at a different speed than a lot of people do. Uh, to, so to have him back um, in a game against in an against an offense that he literally practiced against every day um, or, or knows like the back of his hand would be uh, would be really big for Texas. I got the other news that will come out later today is the college football rankings. Of course, though, they drop every Tuesday evening from here on out. And uh, we kind of touched base on it yesterday. We talked about that NCAA article um, that was on NCAA.com. And they projected Texas to be seventh. What do y'all think about that? I I think nobody above them lost, right? So, I mean, and when we have, look, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other, right? It looks like Alabama and Georgia uh, are on a crash course, a collision course in the SEC title game, uh, which Texas needs Alabama to win, by the way, if Texas is undefeated. Uh, But it's setting up Washington and Oregon, I think, will end up having to play again in the Pac-12 championship game. So um, unless I'm totally not understanding, um, I know Oregon's not going to lose the USC this week. <laughs> uh, Georgia, though, does have a tough road with Ole Miss and at Tennessee the next two weeks. But Oregon, I'm not sure how many they're going to score on USC, but it's going to be a lot. I, I Look, I, I, I do believe that it's like I, the seventh is the interesting thing right now is Texas is squarely behind Oregon. That's the only one lost team that Texas is behind right now, Jerry. Um, and given that, uh, we have to be aware uh, that that's something that that uh, is going to take place and Texas is going to have to overcome one way or another, whether it's Oregon squeaking by a couple games and Texas overtaking them, if Quinn comes back. I mean, who knows? But uh, I don't think there's going to be room for for two one-loss teams in the college football playoff. I, I, I could be wrong, but... Uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, <clears throat> Texas wins Saturday and we really get to start with some of these scenarios uh, because one of the bigger scenarios to me, <clears throat> if Oregon and Texas are both get through the rest of their regular season <clears throat> and then win their conference champ title games, um, Texas needs Alabama to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I don't Unless Florida State <laughs> flails in the ACC championship game, yeah. Or loses somewhere along the line, like to Florida, um, in a uh, in a battle. You know what I mean? Where it's it they they take themselves out of out of uh, out of it. Uh, it's looking like there's going to be three teams potentially emerge with uh, no losses, and that leaves only one one team for one loss. We could all be whistling Dixie though right now too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, well, not November is projection. Uh, I, I feel like Texas has a chance if they just keep handling their business and get it get it going through it. Texas is the only one of these teams right now that's gone to their backup quarterback and still in the top ten or top five or ten or whatever right now. Uh, that's something to, to, that should be considered as well. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm 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 going to let to your point, Jerry. Let's get past this week. Uh, uh, the other thing that we need to mention, Blake is not only is the TCU game a night game this coming weekend, but news came out last night that tech, the Iowa State game got selected for the evening game on ABC as well. I think that's a 6.30 kick uh, as well now in Ames, uh, which, you know, look, 
that, that that's the way it is. Uh, you're going to get everybody's best shot if you're a yep. top five, top ten ranked team down the down the stretch. It's just the way it's going to be. You're going to be uh, whether it's home or away, you're going to start getting these primetime games, and, and that's what's happening with Texas right now. And you want that. It yes. makes yes, it makes it tougher. Yes, it makes it tougher. I agree with that. But you want that's what's going to happen if you're. This is what happened to Texas back in 08 and 09, if you remember. Every game they played seemingly was at night, home or away. That's that's just how it goes. There, there, will, be more, there will be more down the stretch here because of these night games, too. Uh, there will be more young prospect eyes watching Texas than there has been in years on a three-game-in-a-row basis here. Um, so it, it's all good. It's all good. Texas got to go out and perform. Hey, guys, before we get, move on to the basketball game last night, a couple of quick questions while we're on the college football playoff deal. Um, this first one from Braylon Barnes, if Bama beats Georgia, does Bama possibly jump Texas, bumping Georgia to three or four? See, I, I don't think that will happen. That's the, And that's what I was talking about earlier. And this is a lot of what-ifs, but, but I'm, we're not players, so we don't have to worry about it, right? If, in that scenario, what we talked about earlier, if Texas wins out, wins the Big 12 championship, Alabama and Georgia went out, and then Alabama beats Georgia. I think that's great for Texas because Texas won at Alabama. And the playoff committees, I don't think they're going to race past that. Um, I, I just I just don't. I, I think that is the best-case scenario for Texas right now is Texas and Alabama win out because Texas was a 10-point win in Tuscaloosa. And that they there's they will not get denied on that at the end of the day. With with the same quarterback, by the way, you can yeah. say he's improved, but then you can't say that Quinn Ewers hasn't also improved. Right. I mean, it'd be one thing if they would they would have had their backup quarterback in that game or some other aspect of it, and oh well, they've won this many in a row. Uh, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's a double digit win. And then staying along those same lines, Kabir Hussein says, would a one-loss Georgia get in over a one-loss Big 12 champ, Texas? If Georgia loses at Tennessee, comes back and beats Alabama, that's an interesting conversation. We'll see what happens. I, they're not losing to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that team is loaded. Bobby's I mean, not singing Rocky Top this morning. I mean, <laughs> look. They can they can beat you with if you're a passing team. They can beat you if you're a running team. They can beat you by the run by running. They can beat you by passing. I don't know what to tell you other than Georgia. Georgia is a tough out. It's going to take a heroic effort from someone like Jalen Milrow that they don't contain well enough uh, to beat them. And you're going to have to score thirty points. And I don't think Alabama can score thirty points against Georgia. I just I just don't. All right, guys. Well, let's move on for a minute. Of course, Texas had their season opener in basketball last night. Ended up walking away with an 88-56 to win over Incarnate Word. And, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell everybody your thoughts on that game. Yeah, you know, encouraging. Um, look, um, nobody really knows I I Incarnate Word. New coach, obviously, T.J. Ford's son played his first college basketball game. We had T.J. on yesterday, and that was awesome to see T.J.'s reaction when Junior scored uh, late in that game. Um, but, uh Look, I, I, it's what you expect against that opponent, physically outmatched. But here's the thing with Texas. Texas fans got their first look at Caden Shedrick. And Caden Shedrick got his first look at playing in a fast-paced system. And um, I just put up my game thoughts on Inside Texas. But uh, Caden Shedrick, to me, uh, is going to 
there's nothing better for a guy that you ask to protect the rim and rebound on the defensive end. There's nothing better than if you run the floor and you're rewarded in basketball if you're a big man and have off offensive opportunities. And I think watch Shedrick this year. I think he's going to excel in this system. I think he's only as he gets in better condition, uh, just being released a couple of weeks ago, gets those legs really underneath him. I think he's really going to excel. I think the thought uh, uh, walking away last night was, this Texas team is about what I thought they were. I'd watched them work out this summer. They shoot it really well from three, and they're going to have they're going to shoot it well from the free throw line. I mean, Max got his miss on the season out of the way last night. Dylan Mitchell's got to get better at the free throw line, um, but they shoot it so well. They had ten threes from from the guys who are going to shoot the threes in the in the Power Six games this year. That, that they shot over forty percent in the game from three. Um, and they they just ran vanilla offense. They didn't run anything in the half court towards Max. He only took ten shots last night. He's gonna he's gonna put the ball up more uh, in talent neutralized games. So they were on cruise control last night. Scored eighty eight points. Didn't shoot the free throw well. Didn't have Desu. So they have a chance offensively to be so good if Dylan gets back healthy, which I think he will in December. I think they'll take it slow with him defensively. That's where they got they got to come together because they just haven't played together. I mean, Zarika Nyemda is a great energy player. He needs to go watch James Thomas videos to maximize what Texas needs from him for 10, 12, 15 minutes a game. He needs to play with that mentality in the paint every single possession this year for him to maximize and Texas to maximize. Then he's got to he's going to get better uh, showing on the ball screen game and then recovering. That's something he hasn't really had to do at this high level. He'll get better there. Uh, but Texas, I thought it was a, a really good showing last night. Kendall Weaver is going to be a fan favorite because he has such great athleticism and energy. Um, but I, I thought Texas, the one thing, there's two things for me with this Texas team. And, and, I, and, and you saw it in the exhibition game. It, for them to maximize outside of health, Tyrese and Dylan, they can't try to do too much. Tyrese has such good shooters around him. If he gets inside 10 feet, he may lose his vision. If he gets too deep too much of the time, and that'll cause turnovers. He's got to be careful with the ball and where he plays in the paint uh, to keep his angles. And then with Dylan Mitchell, just don't try to do too much with the ball in hand. Just be who you are and know you're going to get more opportunities this year. And he can go average 10 and 6. And, and just do it playing to his strengths. The more he puts the ball on the floor and tries to force it, those are going to end up being lost possessions for Texas in games that matter. So those two guys just don't try to do too much. You got really good players around you. Um, you got guys who can really shoot it around you. Just keep making small incremental strides um, without trying to do too much, and this team has a chance. So uh, real quick, before we move on, Brian Hudson put in a super chat. There was no question attached to it. If you'll just put it in the chat normal, we will make sure to fix that for you. But we got, we're going to go back to the college football playoff because y'all's conversation spurred a lot of questions here. So let's jump back on for just a second. Rick Serda says, out of the potential college football teams, who's a bad matchup for Texas and who's a good matchup for Texas? Um. That's a tough one. I think uh I think I think Oregon's a bad matchup for Texas, honestly. Oh, I don't. Oh no. I, I no no no. Bo Nix, uh, I think Bo Nix is fool's gold. 
No, I, I, think, I, I, I guess teams who can attack the Texas secondary though. Nah, I don't think that, that I don't think they're that good. I I think um, I don't worry about any. I mean, well, while the Pac-12 teams are good, I don't think e- any of those. The ones that bother me are Ohio State, Michigan, and even Penn State. It, it's not, uh, and I think Georgia stands alone. Yeah, uh, the Big Ten teams because they can stop the run. Yeah, like I don't think I don't think Oregon can really stop the run against Texas. I don't think Washington can really stop the run. No, or Washington can't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so, uh, it's Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, uh, and then Georgia. The teams that potentially can stop the run and make Texas one dimensional on offense can make that a a game where Texas scores twenty or below potentially. So that that's. They'll need Quinn and Worthy and Mitchell and JT Sanders to come with their A game to beat those teams. And then our next question, guys, is from Chris Bacon. And he says, I think the SEC could get left out. Michigan, FSU, Washington, all undefeated. Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Texas, all one loss. Who gets the last spot in y'all's opinion? If I, I agree with this, actually. I, I, if In that scenario – if Georgia's undefeated, Bama beats Georgia um, in the SEC title game, and Texas and Bama have one, and Georgia all have one loss, I, 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 I don't see how Texas doesn't get in in that scenario because they won at Alabama by ten. Ohio State would be out because they lost. They're not going to do. If you only have four, you're not going to do multiples in a year where there are multiple conference champions with one loss. That you're just not going to. So the SEC or the Big Ten getting two in. Highly, highly unlikely, unless some other teams trip up. Okay, guys, before we move on, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Manscaped today. Man, you know, time of the and, day. And you know I am. There it is. There it is, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Guys, it's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. Now, gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you the below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping with code ONTEXAS. High-tech for low places, Manscaped. Again, manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping with code on Texas. All caps. It's it's not a bird. It's not a plane. No. Really? Yeah. The manscaped. There you go, guys. Take take Jerry's word for it. <laughs> hey man. We got past Balloween. Now we're headed to the uh lawnmower 5.0 Christmas, baby. <laughs> Ball giving, according to Chance Bailey. There we go. Oh, man. Okay. Let's see here. Well, we talked about uh, the college football playoff scenarios. William Nish has the question about the Big 12 scenario. If Oklahoma State loses a game, Oklahoma is back in the Big 12 champ, or is Oklahoma back in the Big 12 championship game if they win out? Not necessarily. No. Uh, because they lost to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State still has the, the head-to-head. And I think um, it, it depends. I think that right now Iowa State would have to lose another game, but Oklahoma State would still have a one and zero record against teams with uh, two losses or, or less, uh, because the only other teams would be Texas potentially, OU, uh, and that's pretty much it. And again, Kansas, Kansas State, of which Oklahoma uh, State has beaten 
uh, Kansas State. And uh, did they play Kansas? They did beat Kansas, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, uh, Oak so, State beat OU, Kansas State, and Kansas. So they literally have to lose two games to not get in. Yeah, I think I think they're in. The question is who becomes the second one if Texas loses the right. second one. Um, and that would depend on, uh, for example, if OU were to lose another game, Texas might still be in with two losses. Uh, and Oklahoma State, as someone correctly pointed out, this is crazy, Jerry. Oklahoma State, how many? How much do you think they're favored by against Central Florida this weekend? Oh gosh, I haven't oh, looked. Uh, winless are how many wins does Central Florida one, have? One, right beat Cincinnati. I think one. Uh, I'll say maybe a field goal, but I, because I think UCF can win that game with John Reese Plumley, actually, and that's a letdown game. You know, we've seen it. And you're coming off of Bedlam, road. they're favored by two. Yeah, I can see Oklahoma State is only favored by two right now over Central Florida. Central Florida is one in five in the Big 12. Their only win uh, coming against Cincinnati. Uh, Yes, they did take OU to the the very last minute there in in Norman. Uh, But, man, that's – tell you what, that's a a weird, weird line for a team like Oklahoma State that's on a run like they are with five straight wins. I think it's, I think Oklahoma State is, I think Gundy's such a tremendous coach, man. But they can't, they're, they can't walk in and overwhelm you with like Texas talent, right? So they still have to go execute on the road. They have to execute at a high level. Ollie Gordon got a little banged up last week. Um, he's taken, he's taken a lot of carries the last few weeks to get Oklahoma State to this point. But John Reese Plumley uh, and, and uh, pretty good. Pretty good fit in that UCF offense. It wouldn't shock me if UCF beat them. I'm not calling it, but it wouldn't shock me. Alan Bowman is a decent quarterback, too. A very good one. He's yeah, I mean, side. you got to remember, he he started some for Texas Tech as a true freshman, then got hurt. Uh yeah. had some real injury his, history. And now he then he transferred to Michigan. They didn't you didn't hear from him there. They had two guys ahead of him. Then he transfers back to Oklahoma State. I mean, at one point in the second half against OU, he was 10 for 10. He is yeah. a capable, accurate quarterback if you give him time. Uh, and so that they're a little bit of a one-two punch along with Mike Gundy's style of offense, which gives everybody uh, problems seemingly. Okay, before we talk about Texas, one, we got one more college, just in general college football-related question. This one from Tyler Hastings. He says, Penn State, USD, Utah, Miami, Michigan State, Ole Miss, which team has the best chance to win? So Penn State plays Michigan, USC plays Oregon, Utah plays Washington, Miami FSU, Michigan State, Ohio State, Ole Miss. Georgia. I think I think he means Mississippi State against AM. And here's the thing: there's some great slate of games this weekend. And I'm gonna tell you this: maybe Mississippi State, if Max Johnson doesn't play, watch out. I, I mean, if AM's on QB three. I, I know Mississippi State doesn't score much, but they may only have to score 14. They may only have to score 10. I mean, I, I if I don't think Max is playing. If Max doesn't play, they're on QB3 with a banged-up offensive line. Ugh. And Mississippi with a defensive State, coordinator. That, that, that the head coach is a defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's good. That Mississippi State guy's good, de- de- defensive mind head coach. I'd say the one to look out for, though, as it relates to the college football playoff, is Miami, Florida State. Yeah, uh, that that look, Miami or Florida State takes an L at this point in the season. It doesn't matter if it's in season or in in conference play or out of conference. Now that's obviously a conference play game for them, but they're done. 
They're done as far as the playoff, unless unless somehow yes. they circle back. Yes. Yes. Uh, people have brought up on the chat, Utah and Washington. Utah does have the defense against Washington, but the problem is can they score enough points to beat Washington? I mean, you can play really good defense against Washington if they score 28. Yes. Yeah. I so agree. you got you got to score 30. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get to some Texas-related questions. Antonio Harris with the Super Chat, and thank you, Antonio. He says, is there enough film on Malik for him to have a draft grade? Arm strength and stature should help him. Thank you, guys, and hook him. Uh, um, no, there's not. Um, two games is not enough, nor is he even draft eligible. I mean, he's a year out from them worrying about that. I mean, they're not even – I can just tell you, NFL scouts may – mark it down uh, quickly and say, oh, he's a he's a guy to watch in the future. Uh, but he clearly has some traits that are NFL-like. He has the arm. He has absolutely has the size. Uh, the question will be whether or not he's accurate enough and whether or not he has the gamesmanship. Because right now, I don't think it's his arm. Uh, maybe the accuracy is a problem for him, but the gamesmanship from Malik and throwing the ball away and not turning it over is really where he's outside of that last drive. I mean, that that may be where he's having the most problems right now, and that that's a that's a difficult ask for a pro team uh, to take a, take a rider on that. But and, and, look, he's gonna get. I will say this: he's gonna get drafted because he's got the arm and he's got the size, and they'll try to see if they can make him at the very least, at the very least, a backup who can learn on the job for a few years. Um, I, I think, uh, I'll, I'll have to see a lot more to even think about that. Um, but the, the other, um, um, the other thing with him, he's got to show some mobility. It's, it's an athletic game at the next level. You get, you have to show some mobility in the pocket. Um, just some willingness to be mobile in the pocket. And that, that's maybe the one thing that, um, is the biggest issue for him right now. Outside they're big, of they're big guys. His, his, his He's got the same issue DJ Ugalele has, or whatever you ever say his name, the overrated kid from California that went to Clemson's now at Oregon State. Their release is so long at the NFL level, it's a real issue. Malik, is not, Malik does not always have a long release, though, Jerry. He is reverted at times. Yeah, that's right. But he does not uh, – they they have worked on, on him with that release. And I, I tell you what uh, – the thing that gives me um, positive markers for Malik is that he's done some things in the RPO game that are positive. Um, and so that that's it. David Keith Williams really makes the, 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 the point here. The two pieces are protecting the ball better and then also actually being accurate with the ball on the short stuff. Um, he's okay on stationary receivers like you saw uh, JT Sanders sit. He's okay in the RPO game where it's it's a uh, rhythm based, but when he has to wait for a mesh route to clear, when he has to do that sort of thing, he was clearly he, he clearly wasn't accurate on Saturday. Can he get more accurate? I hope so. Especially if they need him this weekend. Yeah, we got another super chat, guys, and this one from Archmania. He <laughs> says. Uh, Sark took a little bit of unusual liberty discussing discussing officiating against Texas. Y'all thought? <laughs> I know we can't control it, but damn, they've made it a thing. Yeah, I, I tell you what, this is it, it was. I, I took note of that. Um, our, he spent Sark yesterday, in case you missed and, and did not hear the press conference, 
Sark spent about three to five minutes talking about officiating, talking about how he sends in plays, wants to learn, wants his kids to learn, all this other stuff. But he came up uh, came up with a stat that was interesting. Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, in his opinion, he said, were the two most disruptive, best interior defensive linemen in the Big 12. Okay? Neither of them have had a penalty called against a hold, them. A, a holding hold call against, against them. them all season. Yep. Yeah. So you tell me. <laughs> you know, and that, that's his point. He's saying something without, without getting fined. <laughs> yes, I agree. But it's true, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen people drag – Byron Murphy down by the jersey. Nobody, they they have it just look. It is driving me absolutely <laughs> batty. It does. I, mean, I can't tell I you. I mean, there's two guys back there now. There's not even just one in the backfield anymore. What are they looking at? Are both of them looking at the quarterback or something? That's idiotic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. change your change your functions. Change your what you're looking at. I mean, oh, they're looking for hands to the face. What? Okay, this is just it's 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 look, they Texas again, the stat that Steve Sarkeesian, I don't want to belabor it, but the stat he came up with is neither Byron Murphy nor Tavondre Sweat have had a single hold called against them all year. Well, that begs the question, do they get the Puna Ford treatment, get a held called on them first? <laughs> hey, 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 this is the other thing from what Sark said yesterday. I, I want to put this in perspective. He's like, if you have two or more tackles in a game from that position, you're really doing something. And you know what, Bobby, you know where my, my head went when he said that. Casey Hampton had 101 tackles in a 13-game college football season as a nose guard. We'll never see anything like it again in Texas football, ever. That guy was phenomenal. All right. We got another super chat, guys, from Colton. Thank you, Colton. He says, I've been out of town since last Wednesday, and I've been missing the live streams. It's great to be back, but what an effort by Texas D in overtime, and what a win. Hook on. I absolutely, Colton. Welcome home. I uh, hope you're enjoying uh, being back home. I, I agree with you. Uh, the Texas D is the reason that that Texas uh, stood up. I I can't tell you um, how deflating was it. Texas goes three and out in overtime. The very first play in overtime for Kansas State, they hit that seam route to Ben Sennett, and they're on the six yard line like that. And you're thinking this game, I, I didn't think the game was over by any stretch, right? But I was like, oh boy, you know, this this is, they're getting ready to do something. And then, you know, the defense just said, no, that ain't going to happen. And they had one play called that could have worked. And that was the, the missed pass uh, between Will Howard that he had to gun right to his inside receiver. But that was still fairly well covered. There was a good pass rush. It was closing in around him. He didn't have time. I mean, so that the defense stiffened when it mattered the most. And I'm telling you, that was just that was awesome, in my opinion. Okay, this next one, Jerry, is for you from Travis Cattle. He says, Hey Jerry, the wife won't let me buy anything with Christmas getting close. I told her about Manscaped and I saw her eyes light up with excitement, bro. <laughs> 2024 could be a good year for me. Now you're thinking. 
<laughs> oh man! Why, why do y'all? Hey, why do y'all think I have this dang thing in my hands? Yeah, it's a great product. Great product. <laughs> well, speaking of great products, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Game Time. Yeah, absolutely. Game Time is our the app of choice for uh, us. Uh, when it comes to uh, buying tickets online, I want to introduce you guys to Game Time, the app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country, and for good reason. Uh, you can get images of your seat before you actually buy. So, what you know, where you're going to sit, and what to expect when you arrive. It's not coming some kind of, you know, fake, oh, well, you'll, you'll be here and then actually end up somewhere else. It's absolutely perfect for last minute ticket decisions. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've personally used game time for both sporting events and concerts for both myself and my family. So if you need last-minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through email. Download the game time app today, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account and redeem code on Texas for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's Game Time. Okay. Well, let's see here. We have another super chat. This one from Burt Reynolds. And uh, Burt says, Are there any examples that, that y'all can think of of new quarterbacks who had rough starts and then settled in and did their thing? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, like, I don't know that I've seen someone start off throwing as many picks or putting the ball in jeopardy as much as as Malik did and then suddenly just had a catharsis uh, over a single game. I've seen guys get better historically over time. Um, But I don't know that I've seen, to your question, that I've seen someone that just completely settled down from game two to game three. Uh, Jerry or Blake, do you all have any recollection? I'd have to really go back and look at that. I, I'd, yeah. I'd have to really go back and look at that. Oh, that's one I'd have to think on too. And by the way, uh, Brian Hudson, we are still waiting for your question on your super chat. So please uh, do get that in. All right, Jerry, this next one's for you from E. Kim. He says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. How did the Texas high school football playoffs look start this week? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I think it's huge. Okay. Look, Carthage, Sophomore Jet Surratt at quarterback Scott Surratt, son, who I think is the best play caller I've seen in Texas in the high school football, especially late in games and on fourth downs. Um, if Carthage gets it done this year, they may run off three in a row. Running backs a sophomore, Jets a sophomore. I mean, Surratt, if he gets it done this year, he's got a chance to win twelve state championships. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't care where you're at, and he's and he's playing East Texas now. Kilgore, Gladewater, Gilmore. I mean, that would be such an unbelievable number if he got to. Um, that that's what I'm watching Carthage this year. Macho also watching Duncanville, uh, DeSoto. One of those two teams is probably going to play against Derek Lagway and Willis uh, if both advance to the third round. Um, and Willis hasn't seen anything like that, so that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's uh, uh, Carthage is really what I'm I'm watching most this year because th- this has a chance to be to get to some real history in the state of Texas. Absurdly. So, yes, yeah, that, that's what you're, I mean, there's one thing to win. I mean, 12 state titles. I mean, how many years has he even been head coach? 15 to 20? Yeah. 15, 16. Well, it, yeah. it, 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 at that time, I think it would be 18, 17, 18. Well, he was the offense. A lot of people don't remember this, but he that's was right. prior to Carthage. He was the offensive coordinator at, at Texarkana. Yes. Texas hot. And they, yes. that's back when they were, and they hitting. won state with Ryan Mallett and all those guys. Yeah, and so it's not like this is new, new stuff for him. Once he went to Carthage, he's always been a very bright, uh, uh, a very bright play caller. Blake, your uh, your mic is muted, buddy. Sorry about that. I said I think the interesting one, Jerry's going to be Class Five A Division Two because yeah. it's it's really up for grabs. I mean, you have so many different teams in there. And even like when you look at the expert picks, you know, it, it seems like everybody has a different team to pick. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. All right, guys, we have another question here. And this one is uh, from Too Broke to Pay Attention. He says, we don't need to just win. We need these games to be blowouts going forward. Do you all agree? No. No. Um, no, I, I think not two road games in a row. Um, not not two road games. If there, if Texas gets through the next two road games, which they're favored in for a reason, and you get the tech, if tech could, uh, if Texas could put together a tremendous performance, that wouldn't hurt on the way to the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah, I don't. I I think it's just win. Yeah, I clearly. I mean, I style points may or may not happen along the way, uh, but it, it's not about that right now. It's about survive and advance. Uh, no matter who you're playing, it really is. Well, like Georgia won 30 to 21. Is that right? Against Missouri. There's yep. no style points in that. Uh, you think Washington cared how many they beat USC by? No. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it does. I, and I will say for college football playoff is really what they're getting at, but especially when you're playing your backup quarterback, right? I mean, that, that clearly is something different. And everybody in their dog knows that Quinn has been out for two weeks. They just want to win this week against TCU. Yep. Plus, I, let's 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 be honest. I mean, TCU had Texas's number offensively a year ago. I mean, they absolutely were all on it. They they took B. John Robinson out of the Heisman race on defense a year ago. They figured out how to start, stop Sark's run game. Quinn looked lost in that game. Couldn't find anything to to go to. Uh, now TCU's a different defense this year. Uh, as well, very different, but uh, I don't think it's about style points, man. Uh, be nine and one. We, we, we're talking next Tuesday at nine and one going to Ames. It, there's not anybody in here that's going to be talking about style points uh, going into Ames or anywhere else. They're going to be talking about trying to get your butt to the Big 12 championship game any way possible. 
It's been brought up on the chat, so I, I want to give the person credit who's brought this up. The team, if you're really into this and you're not one of the fans, it's, I can't look ahead. It's just one game at a time, which if you're not a player, you can um, or coach. But Oregon State is the team you cheer for from here on out. They have Washington and Oregon back-to-back weeks. That Oregon State, I'm a big DJ Ulele fan the next three weeks, I'll say. No, that. you're not, though. You just you just ragged on him. Uh, I, I, I want him to miraculously become accurate two games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the, the one thing I will say about Oregon State, they've got the head coach up there, Jonathan Smith. He's done former amazing. Former quarterback. Job. He does a great job. He's from the Mike Riley tree of coaching. And so he does a great job up there of mixing the run with the pass. Uh, that's one thing that that will keep people off, uh, a little off balance. Uh, and so I, I, I'm hopeful for them to to come out with one of those wins. Just, just need one, really. All right, Bobby, you mentioned the TCU defense. We're going to go back to that for a second. Captain Americano says, given that TCU strength is at secondary and that we are going to play number one, a young quarterback, or number two, one coming off injury, should Sark come out with a heavy dose of bully ball? He doesn't know how to do that, I don't think, really. I, let's, let's, let's be clear. I mean, how many times in the last three years, Texas now year three with Steve Sarkeesian? There's been one, uh, there's been two times in those three years where Texas has bullied people, like truly, truly bullied people. And, and I, I guess I could put the Kansas game this year in that category. But against uh, Baylor last year in the second half, last game of the regular season, right? Texas just decided to only run the ball. That was one. The other one was against Iowa State in the fourth quarter last year in Austin. Texas just said, we're going to run it down your throat. And they had one pass, which was the touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy to complete a drive on fourth and two. Okay. So take all of that, Jerry and Blake. I I don't know that Sark goes into a game thinking he's going to just be able to bully people. He thinks he's going to be able to run the ball effectively. But I don't know that because look, the reality of it is is people can stop the run. If they all they have to do is put more people in the box. You know, so it's hard to do that. It's easy to do that somewhat between the 20s. When the, when the field gets condensed, you can't do it anymore. And then if you've been running and all of a sudden you have to pass, what's the value of that? So just, that's why I think Sark throws it. When he gets inside the 50 uh, and it's first down, uh, I think that he's I, – I I'd have to go back and look, but how many first downs has he had from the 40 to 50-yard line and been throw first after getting there via the run? He does it almost every time. It is a little bit of a thing for him. Uh, I would say this too. The interesting thing when you prep for TCU, you're watching tape of TCU every game this year. You're seeing a team that doesn't tackle well in space or hasn't to this point. What are you going to, you're going to try to get the ball to your guys worthy Mitchell Sanders in space to say, all right, TCU, you haven't tackled guys like this all year. So show me. Okay, Keelan Robinson, Jaden Blue. Yeah, so it, it, that's going to be so inviting this week. Um, the, the thing for me watching TCU is Dominic Williams over the ball is a real player. Um, on the edges, similar to K-State, not guys that have been really good pass rushers. 
so I, I think it's going to be so interesting this week what TCU does defensively against Texas because I I think Texas could have some chunk yards rushing the ball against TCU Saturday. But I think Sark's going to uh, – obviously he's going to pass to set up the run. That's that's who he is. But watching that tape, he's going to see a team that has not tackled in space all year, and he's going to be like, hmm, I don't think they can tackle. Worthy, 5-0, Keelan. I hope – I hope I, – I will say this, going back to the running game, Jerry, I hope Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter are healthy. Yeah. And they both – it feels like they've both been – Baxter's definitely been nicked up almost the entire year. Yeah. Brooks, of late, looks like he's been uh, nicked up some. So, uh, I'm hopeful they stay healthy. Oh, that question was about TCU secondary. This next question is about Texas secondary. <laughs> Ray Potter says, TCU is most likely throwing the ball 50 times. How does the secondary hold up? Hopefully, the pass rush gets there. Two things with that, Bobby. Does he go with Chandler Morris, who's going to be available this week, or stay with Josh Hoover as more of a downfield arm? I, I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think T Texas D-line it, it could really send out a butt kick in Saturday night in TCU. I'll be surprised if they don't. Uh, the interior to TCU offensive line hasn't been good. The tackles are both back from last year, but I'm telling you, Tech got after those guys last week. Um, it, it, so Texas – I don't know if you have to get home necessarily this game and get the quarterback to the ground, but I think Texas is going to be able to collapse the pocket um, and change the quarterback's vision and launch point a plenty Saturday. Um, I'm interested to see how aggressively uh, PK calls first down defense against TCU. Be interesting. I, I, I will say this. I'm going to add a piece to it. Uh, Jalen Ford, uh, TCU loves these deep ends on third and 10, third and 15. Texas has been susceptible to them against running quarterbacks, Jerry. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that draws Jalen up. Jalen hasn't been getting in passing lanes very well of late because of that concern. Correct. Um, this is an opportunity where if Texas's pass rush does stay lane consistent, and they have gotten better at it over the last three games. It started against Houston. They said no. Donovan Smith's not running against us. Uh, Keaton Slovis, it didn't matter, but he didn't let, they certainly didn't let the K-State quarterback run, uh, Will Howard. I'm interested to see how involved Jalen Ford becomes getting into passing lanes because I think, especially if Josh Hoover plays, okay, you're talking about a freshman, Jalen Ford might have a pick and, yeah. and, and a pretty big one at a bit, pretty big time because TCU loves loves going to that deep cross uh, and, and play in front of the safety on third and long. Uh, watch, watch for that play and see how Texas reacts to it because, Jerry, I think that's going yeah. to be the one that we need to watch. I think it's a great point because Texas does not have to spy the quarterback this week. We don't think. Chandler Morris can run a little bit. So. I think you would almost invite him to and smack him. Well, yeah, it, maybe. Right. Fair. Okay, well, we have a super chat here that a little bit more on Texas secondary, and uh, it's from Reggie Boy 37. He says, Good morning. The secondary has always given up huge yards at crucial times in the game. Is it black, bad play calls by PK, or is it Texas not DBU anymore? Okay. Um, Sark described the, you know, how many big plays in the passing game did they really give up against K State? Three? Yeah. 
46 times the guy drops back, or was it 46 times or 42? 40, three 40, out of 40, 42, yep. Three out of 42 ain't much. Um, And so I think it's just a higher, I, I don't think that it's been bad play calls. I think one of the things that Sark harped on yesterday is that he needs it to be complementary defense where when you do line up tight on a wide receiver, the pass rush is actually getting home in time. And he talked about that happening against Kansas State to the betterment of the defense overall. The the pass plays that were beat bad beats were the touchdown pass uh, where Terrence Brooks let the man go inside and Derek Williams creeped up. That was the one-play drive after the Jonathan Brooks fumble. Uh, the Phillip Brooks touchdown pass, I mean, look, they were in Texas was in position there and just didn't make a tackle. Um, and then probably the biggest one that I remember is the fourth and six that K State completed, where they just they didn't cover that guy because it was a I thought Texas went zone there, making sure they didn't give up a big play. And as a result, they did give up the first down. So I, I didn't see K State just dominate Texas in the passing game. Uh they threw a lot because that's all they could do. And it was a high risk, high reward type offense. Yeah. And and, and the thing too is um they had they had to go to the screen game a lot. A lot. Because Texas was winning on the edges so quickly and immediately that they their tackles were not and I, I we'd heard this late in the week. We talked about it that Texas thought they had an advantage at the edge position because Kansas State tackles is not that they weren't good players they just weren't they didn't think they were physically strong players and they were 100 percent right on that they got after them yeah i you're right about the screen game they had more positive yardage in the screen game to sanat than they did anything else that they yeah. tried to do on a, on a consistent basis Jerry. right yeah all right we have another super chat guys this one from drew m thank you drew and he says with every game having been sold out how much do you think crowd noise has helped texas the crowd was rocking in overtime versus k-state sark came out and mentioned it yesterday jerry yeah i mean look every game he he expects them to announce a. Uh, he said i expect tcu to announce a sellout sometime today probably uh and every game has been sold out longhorn certainly enjoyed a uh advantage uh, on Saturday because of the home field crowd, in my opinion. I was there. Uh, there's no doubt about it, um, especially when they got on top of them early. It kept the crowd in it early and often. Uh, but the the bigger piece that I think Sark is talking to is like he, he went into it yesterday. So when he took the Ch- Texas job, he kind of envisioned a game like what happened against Kansas State on Saturday where the crowd actually makes a difference. And you have a hundred thousand people. You have you you're helped by recruiting because you're you're recruiting at a better place. Oh, you're yeah. helped it. Yeah, you're you're helped by the crowd noise. You have all of these extra things that happen because you're at Texas and I don't know, not Baylor, right? Um, and he felt like that really came to pass on Saturday in a positive way that that helped his team win. I I got a prediction on the crowd. If Texas wins these next two road games. I know Texas Tech's day after Thanksgiving. I don't care. I think that will be the loudest we've heard DKR since Alabama last year, and it dang well could eclipse it. Because I I, I know students won't be around, but uh, but they'll be there for that game. 
I'm here to tell you, if Texas is 10-1 and one with Tech coming to town, that stadium is going to be rocking with everything on the line like it hadn't been in a while. Because everything will be on the line if they win the next two road games. Uh, before we move on to the next question, guys, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Bird Dogs. Yeah, Bird Dogs. Everybody knows it and has heard about it. The, the clothing apparel company is a real winner in my book. Uh, I really like their soft fabric shorts and khaki pants. Uh, we've, we've all had a look at them and used them. Uh, they are terrific. The pants look professional, but feel just a lot less stiff. I don't know how to explain it other than that. I really like the, the fabric. I also like their fabric polos. I've worn those on this show before. Uh, go to birddogs.com forward slash on Texas. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas or enter promo code on Texas. You get a special deal right now. You get a free hydro flask like gift with your first purchase. It's good for coffee in the morning. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Best shorts. Hey, by the way, Blake, have you worn the bird dog pants yet? Because the weather's getting cooler. Not yet. Not yet. I, I look. I wore the bird dog pants last week because it actually was cold uh, in Houston. I I may like those better than the shorts, even though I only wear pants if I'm absolutely forced to. And you know, pretty I'm much so you have to wear these. But they, the <laughs> pants are really, really good. I'm gonna check them out because I love the shorts for sure. So. All right, guys, we got one more super chat that we need to read. This one from Lee Barden. Thank you, Lee. He says, do y'all think Isaiah Nayor or and or Casey Kane transfer at the end of the year? Thanks for the great work. And hook them. Um, I think Nayor is, is, would be a hot commodity uh, if he decided to put himself in the transfer portal because of what he might be. Casey Kane's interesting. Um, he might go somewhere where he can get more targets. Uh, but it's not going to be uh, a blue blood program, right? Uh, Nayor is a little uh, situated a little differently. Um, Kane also has got to be closing in on getting a degree from the University of Texas. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I think that both of them are possibilities, given the fact that they haven't played much this year, um, but and they're upperclassmen. Uh, but uh, you, Look, guessing on some of that stuff, I think I can guess more on overall numbers, just on the odds of what we believe is going to occur. But individual situations are almost impossible to, to number or manage. I mean, right now, Isaiah Nayor still has – he basically redshirted this year. Yeah. I mean, he didn't lose a year of eligibility. Uh, by, by the way, Blake, I had a couple of questions on uh, Xavier Phil Same, the safety out of McKinney. He was at USC last week to watch that great defense play. Um, but I, I remain the same. I think he's going to play. Uh, and look, we are in the NIL day and age. I think he'll play his college football in Florida or Texas based on everything I'm hearing. Texas will just keep chipping away there. Blake Gideon was at his game last week. So was Corey Raymond of Florida. I really think how this Florida season ends after this loss to Arkansas. I mean, they're at, at Missouri, at, at LSU, at Missouri. Um, and an FSU at home. If they go five and seven this year, after going six and six, Billy Napier in, in year two goes five and seven. He went six and seven actually with the bowl game. But man, those direction of program. Are you going to make changes on your staff? I mean, some of these things that affect recruiting late could hit him. And that's not just Phil Same, it's Wardell Mack. There you go. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, well, our last question was about the uh, Texas wide receivers, but Ted Apare one wants to ask y'all about the TCU wide receivers. He says, how worried should we be about the speedy TCU wide receivers like JoJo or Earl, et cetera, against the Texas safeties? If not, I, he feels we should be. I, uh, yeah, Texas yeah, absolutely should be because they're they're similar to U of H. It's not like they just have one or two guys. They have multiple guys that can make plays against Texas. And that's the, that's the thing um, is, you know, look, Savion Williams, I'm not sure the health of him, but a really talented player, right? I mean, um, uh, the kid that transferred from uh, Oak State, whose dad played quarterback at a and Richardson, sorry, J.P. Richardson. J.P. Richardson's a good player, man. I mean, they have they have numbers. They have talent at wide receiver numbers. So that's, to me, Bobby, what's more concerning. If they had one guy, you'd work around that. But, you know, they have multiple guys. So that's what gave Texas trouble against Houston is Matthew Golden could beat you one way, Man Jack could beat you another way. So then there's Samuel Brown. Um, so that, they're TCU similar to Houston in that way. Yeah, I, look, JP Richardson leads them in in receptions. He's he's a good to give player. you a to give you a comparison or a comp that Texas fans would be uh, familiar with. It's the the guy at U of H, Manchak. Yeah. That was the inside receiver that could kind of find his spots. Uh, they've also got Jalen Robinson, who's a senior out of Fort Worth. He's actually ahead of JoJo Earl right now in there. Savion Williams is a big, big target that's going to play in the NFL or at least get some serious yeah. NFL looks because of his height, weight, and speed combo. Um, look, you, you Jared Wiley at tight ends. Jared Wiley at tight end. They use the backs. I mean, it's, it's a Sonny Dykes style of offense where uh, they, they throw it around. But difference between last year's group and this year's group is the offensive coordinator and that's Kendall Bryles and a lot of their throws are predicated almost exclusively on what look they get from the defense mm -hmm. and so that takes a little of the guesswork out of it and a little bit of the individual player out of it so it's not player specific most of the times in my opinion it's more um it's more you know predicated on the play call so the the unlike u of h which i think dana holgerson actually does a good job of isolating player relationships right so it, it's a little bit different that offense just a dude asked how long can the tcu offensive line hold up against the texas d line i think that's a great question coming piggybacking off that i don't think they'll be able to unless they put a level they haven't this season or I, they or the number of snaps are just astronomical yeah yeah, and that's but that's probably what TCU is going to go for. And, te and Texas has had problems with the hurry up, no huddle. Yeah, K State went to it, and that's when they started moving the ball. U of H, uh, Oklahoma obviously started that, uh, and and it hurt Texas. So uh, that that's that's going to be the combo. Yeah. Uh, this next question from Tyler Hastings. He says, "What are y'all's thoughts about the spread being ten points this week versus the Horn Frogs?" I think look. TCU um, is four and five. They haven't played good football, especially defensively this year. They haven't tackled well in space. I think that the, 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 the team with the best record they've beaten this year uh, was SMU. Um, so on paper, their resume just doesn't scream it. Um, that's for sure. Uh, but does that matter Saturday? No, nope. depends on how well Texas plays. But um, I, Texas, uh, Texas is 10, 14 points. 
on the road better than TCU if they play well. Bobby? <laughs> I, I Look, my thoughts on the spread is that Vegas is really smart. That Look, what was the spread last week? Started off at five, ended up at three and a half. Yeah. What was the spread at the end of the game? I mean, the, the guys are smart. Um, and, you know, there's a reason – uh, they, they're doing, they're running 10,000 different, you know, iterations of a game and come up with a number and then put it out there for people to bet against. Um, if Quinn Ewers starts, if, um, I hope Texas gets an early lead and really kind of clamps down a little bit and shows what they can do on defense and keeps the ball away. Uh, because uh, I, I feel like, Last year, um, TCU almost demoralized Texas, in my opinion. Of all the games Texas played last year, that was the one that may have been the most demoralizing because it was the only conference game I felt like where Texas had no chance of winning. After after a certain period, yes, they came back, and it was a one-score game after the scoop and score by Jade Barron. But Texas got nothing going on offense all game long. Now, was that because they were stealing signs and didn't have the right idea behind it? I, I don't know. But um, I, I find the 10-point spread to be what it is. Um, I, I I would be one way or the other based on whether or not Quinn Ewers is the player, though, it, it, whether he plays or not. Um, I, I, so I'm going to throw, just from a stats perspective here on TCU, uh, they're 83rd in the country in uh, defense, giving up 400 yards a game. They're 128th in red zone scoring, by the way. So this is, could be a red zone not score fest Saturday. Um, they, they give up 156 yards rushing per game, 77th in the country. Those are some things I've noticed looking at them. Um, so they haven't stopped the run. They haven't tackled well in space. Um, and offensively, they put up yards, but they've struggled in the red zone as well. Um, so I, I think you put all that together in the schedule TCU's played and um, – uh, look, I think there's a reason Texas is a 10-point favorite. They just got to go do it. Uh, let's stay on TCU for a minute. Ryan from China says, TCU question. I'm convinced last year they had our play call signal. Sark addressed it a little before the season. Are there any concerns this could happen again? And then he says, Jared Wiley is still there. Jerry, you want to take that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I really have a thought on that um, uh, specifically. I mean, um, Look, I, I think if Texas goes out and, and executes and doesn't turn the football over and plays a really good game, I mean, I think they could have all the signals and it won't matter. If Texas goes and plays really well, um, you know, I think they're a better football team. All right, our next question from Zane Petty. He says, how many sacks do you guys have for Sorrell and Burke against TCU? I, I don't I, – I think sacks to what Bobby's point. I'm not sure on sacks. They get I, the ball out quick. Yeah. That's the whole idea behind that offense. I think the, the key for me with Sorrell and Burke is to just change the timing, disrupt the timing and the flow. Uh, that's my biggest thing is, is whether it's Chandler Morris or Josh Hoover, it's not going to be sacking them. It's just making them think about it. That's the key for me. It's Burke using those long arms. I mean, you can really change, especially a guy like Chandler Morris, right, who's on the shorter side. He can use his length to affect the quarterback without sacking the quarterback. 
Okay, our next question here is coming from Rob Enfield, and this is a scenario question, but he says, if Sark got ejected, who would call the place? Oh, Millwee. That's a great question. It would be Millwee. He's called them before. So I don't know that Flood's ever called plays. Yeah. <laughs> Millwee is, was the uh, was the offensive coordinator at Toledo before going to Alabama with Sark. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it would be A.J. Millwee, the quarterback coach right now. But I don't – look, I don't think so. – how, how many times have we seen a head football coach get ejected from a football game? Like, he'd it's not to, like basketball. I mean, he'd have to like, – I mean, they, they didn't even eject Charlie Strong. I mean, yeah, Sark would have to run out onto the field and tackle a TCU pump, <laughs> which Jimbo almost did on an interception. Yeah. <laughs> and now AM's going to sack Jimbo. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Boy, if Boy. they lose to if they lose to Mississippi State, I don't, I don't know. I, I uh, it's over. If they, I mean, yeah, it's not just over. It's just like what in the hell just happened? Over. <laughs> like they, you know, they went from the penthouse to the outhouse quick. Oh man. All right. Brian Hudson got his super jet in finally. And he says, I haven't seen Paul Chris input this year like we saw Gary Patterson's influence. Do you guys see how he has helped? Um, this this is a good question because you would think that they would be better in the power run game, and they haven't necessarily been that. Um, I I don't know that we've seen that that influence. I, I also don't know that the power run game has helped when you look. Wisconsin had five NFL offensive linemen. Texas right now is probably starting three future NFL offensive linemen, unless Jake Majors also gets there. Because I don't think Hayden Connor is going to get there. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it, and Sark talked about it yesterday. Player, it plays work a lot better when you have better players, right? Um, and so what Paul Christ might be able to do at Wisconsin with five NFL offensive linemen, all of whom are not just first and not just draft picks but picks one through three three rounds um and and paul christ himself is not some wizard by the way um he's he's a good coach but he got fired for a reason uh so i I feel like you don't want to overstep your bounds and some of it is personnel i by the way just a dude asking about tadarian ball um tadarian ball is a 2026 kid at Texas high and he's a stud. So he doesn't factor into the 24 class. He's a 2026 kid. And yeah, he really likes Texas. And why wouldn't you, if you're running back, it's a very inviting scheme. Uh, Then just the dude has another question that I wanted to actually touch on. I know we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but for those just joining us guys, um, what's the feel for Quinn coming back for TCU per his Instagram post. It makes me hopeful. And again, for those that are just joining us, can y'all give the rundown on that situation? Yeah, I think the the major thing was yesterday at eleven. Look, I I, I said on the chat, I think Friday that Sark, uh, that Quinn started lightly throwing the football around uh, a little bit late last week, uh, but then Sark coming back uh, yesterday and ta- and changing him from week to week to day to day, that tells you there's a good chance, a chance. And I think how this week goes. Uh, leading up to Sark, when Sark speaks again Thursday, will be key. Uh, but um, I think Quinn wants to play, and I think obviously he's on the right track um, towards getting back on the field. Uh, Sark wouldn't have changed that from week to week to day to day if that wasn't the case. The whole question is, can he get there by the time Texas plays TCU, or will it be at Iowa State? He's coming back this year. 
right, y'all, we have time for just one or two more questions right here on Coffee and Football. And the first one from Terrell Hennigan. He says, what kinds of small adjustments might the coaches make this offseason? Could it be scheme, how they use pieces, position changes? Do you all foresee anything happening? They need to move one of the one of the uh, first of all position changes. They absolutely need to move one of the young uh, star players to safety. Yeah, not whether it's Austin Jordan, Jalen, I don't know, but they've got to find a way to get more depth at safety with people that can run. That is the biggest fundamental issue right now. Jaron Thompson, Michael Taff, Keaton Crawford doesn't have the reactive quickness. Uh, Jalen Catalan is going to be gone after this year. Derek Williams is the only one back there that can really run. They've got to get, so adjustments, whatever you want to call it, more speed at safety, number one. Uh, Number two, um, look, I I think they need to get bigger at guard. Um, And I mean physically bigger, not not just, they're going into the the SEC next year and I, I don't think they can go in there and thinking that they're going to be able to, I think, I think the run will get blown up by the defensive tackles at the Alabama's Georgia's and Florida's of the world. If you put Hayden Connor out there and I, I, I look, I respect Hayden Connor to the world's no end and what he's done at Texas two year starter, et cetera, but he has problems with bull rush and that's all that conference. The league full of bull rushers. That, I'm just telling you now. <laughs> your your back your back will be eaten up on third and two. I mean, it just that's just a fact. So those kind of tweaks are more scheme fit tweaks. Uh, you're gonna have to have more speed at safety, and I think a a, a more physical offensive line. I, I think the other thing that'll be interesting in the spring is what depending on what happens in the portal, Bobby, the tight end position. If JT Sanders goes pro. Um, obviously te- uh, Washington from Langham Creek is a early enrollee, but he's still, he's still going to have some time, need some time. Um, but what, what they do in the portal at tied in, because that could really change the way this team looks depending on if they get a downfield threat or not out of the portal at tied end. that could actually be a pretty big change in, in the way they're going to have to attack, uh, defenses next year. All right, y'all, last question for today comes from Jason, and he says, who do we have that can make a difference at the tail end of the season to push Texas to the next level? Man, they have. that's the great thing. This is a great question, Jason. Great question. But the great thing about it is there's so freaking many. Yeah. I mean, Keelan Robinson could return a kick. I mean, we haven't, you know, yeah. block a punt. Uh, you know, Anthony Hill could make an interception or, or – cause a sack fun, like Ethan Burke did. The great thing that Texas has going for it right now, Jason, is all be all of these guys. There's so many. I mean, Jordan Whittington is yet the other than OU has not had a breakout game. I mean, JT Sanders still has, you know, some meat left on the hook. I mean, there's just so many guys right now. Um I, 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 I hasn't had that the game. I mean, I'll tell you who my one guy is. Jalen Catalan. Yeah, because we haven't truly seen him. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, Bobby, before we get out of here, let everybody know what they can see later today on On Texas Football. Yeah, absolutely. So the recruiting breakdown, you're talking about Xavier Phil saying Jerry and uh, uh, Justin going to get busy doing that. 
right after this show. That'll be up around noon today. Uh, then we have the live stream tonight. Aaron Hogan will be hosting with Rod Babers, and I believe uh, Justin Wells will be sitting in uh, to talk a little uh, recruiting there as well. Uh, and also, please consider uh, visiting us at InsideTexas.com, where we are each and every day. Uh, and right now, we have a special going on, uh, $1 for two months of InsideTexas.com, promo code OTFIT23. That's where we're at, answering message board questions, uh, talking Longhorn football, and delivering the very latest in news and info. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Coffee and Football. We want to thank our sponsors today, Manscaped, Game Time, and Bird Dogs for sponsoring today's show. We appreciate that. Appreciate all of you tuning in, all the super chats. Be sure to check out InsideTexas.com, as Bobby said, and then stay tuned later today for all the other great content coming up. And I want to say thank you to the comment section was on fire. I know everybody's excited. We can't get to all the questions. Uh, but we, we will we will do the best we can. But thank you to all thousand plus you guys that were in here today. Really appreciate it. We have a lot of fun with you guys and y'all have a lot of fun making fun of us, which is most important. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook up.